Good evening and welcome back to Transatlantic History Ramblings with Lauren and Brian. This is Brian in Buffalo, New York, U.S. of A. With me as always. Here's Lauren from Swansea. How are you, Brian? Well, it's a tough way. Uh, I I had a really good weekend, Lauren. I had a really good weekend. And uh, now I'm kind of depressed because it's. Halloween, which is my favorite day of the year, but now I know that it's over for a full year. I have to wait a whole nother year. Plus, guess what else? Guess what else, Lauren? What? It's snowing in Buffalo for the first time all year. Oh, the first snow. Yep, first snowfall of the year. Billy is fascinated by it. He's in the window going, what the hell is all this white stuff? Because he thinks he's Southern, for one thing. And two, uh, you know, he's only a year old. He doesn't really remember snow from last year. How are you doing, Lauren? I'm okay. Um, It's been a very weird Halloween. I bought some sweets to give out, but nobody came knocking on my door. Aww. You know oh, why? Right. I have sweets. So I was gonna say now you have sweets. See if you <laughs> if you turn all the lights off and shut the blinds, no one comes to the door, Lauren. I know that's what you did just so you could keep the sweets to yourself. No, no, no. I was I was home. I um I was a bit home. Um, but it, to be quite honest, I'm quite glad because there seem to be a lot of teenagers out, and they seem to be like putting lights in random places. Uh, so uh, I'm not quite sure what they've been up to or what, it, but what's going to happen for the rest of the night. You know, I haven't seen anybody. Granted, it's 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 you know four hours earlier here than it is there, but I haven't seen anybody out trick or treating yet or doing anything. But the little town I live in, they did something this weekend, which I thought was really sweet, and it's the first time I've ever seen it done. They had every business in the village open up on Sunday just for a door-to-door trick-or-treating for all the neighborhood kids. Oh, that's very sweet. It was nice. And uh, so you saw a lot of families out with their costumes and trick-or-treating. And I love Halloween, and now it's over. Well, it's always Halloween in your heart, Brian. It is always Halloween in my heart. And you know why this weekend was so spectacular? I don't know, Brian. Guess what I did? You went to Duff's. I did go to Duff's, actually. But that's not what made it so spectacular. I went to that convention to meet our dear friend and guest just a few weeks ago, the wonderful Miss Betsy Baker from The Evil Dead. The beautiful Betsy Baker and Teresa Tilly, both from from the evil original Evil Dead, were in my neck of the woods. So me and my brother went up to say hi and hang out with them and meet face to face and in person. And it was lovely. Such a such a lovely woman. Such a nice, nice woman. You're not impressed, are you? No, <laughs> no, no, I am impressed. <laughs> no, but. Uh, yeah, she was on just a couple of weeks ago, folks. You can go back and listen to that episode. Um, she was so lovely in person. She was so nice. It was hilarious because uh, 
well, this is for the audience, Lauren, you know this, obviously, that a lot of times when we record, we have our cameras on so they can, so we can all see each other. Yeah. And uh, so when I walked into the convention and went up to her table, you know, they were saying hi to everybody and she just looks up hi. Oh my God. Hi. And her face lit up and she was beaming and so excited to see me. And then she says, Oh my God, I can't believe you're as big as you are. <laughs> Cause no one believes when I tell them I'm six foot five. Well, right. it, see, it is believing. It is. Cause you know, when you just see someone on a camera and they're sitting down, you can't really judge, but yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh my God. God, I, I don't know if she meant big as that I'm six foot five or she was calling me a whale. What do you think, Lauren? I think she meant your height. I think she said you're a whale. No, she didn't. Don't be rude. No, she is far from rude. One of the sweetest people I've, I've, I've talked to in a long, long time. And I hope she'll come back on the show soon. Doesn't have to be for a spooky Halloween month. Just um, absolute joy to, to see her. And, well, uh, it doesn't have. Well, the thing is, is in England, well, in the UK, spooky Halloween doesn't finish on the 31st of October because we have a tradition of telling ghost stories at Christmas time, which, you know, because we did that lovely Christmas episode one year um, where you bullied me into singing. Oh, you bullied <laughs> um, me. Do you know how many mail, how much mail we got from that? Um, and. Um, Ansel read the um, the uh, oh the Charles Dickens story. Yeah, that was fantastic. You know, we're gonna have to do another Christmas show like that. The signal one. Yes. We'll have Ansel do I another reading. Um, we'll get another round table uh, of guests to come on just to reminisce about holiday traditions. And that was fun because we brought people from all kinds of. Uh, of genres and, and, and forms. And, you know, we had actors and we had writers and we had professors and they were all together just talking about their, their memories and childhood and Christmas and traditions. And, and I think because Christmas is nothing without an orange. We need, <laughs> hey John. John Cox needs to be. <laughs> It's Lauren telling jokes, but no, definitely we got to get John on. Remember, um, Kurt was on the one that we did, and we had Susan Campbell Bartoletti, one of the greatest uh, wow. authors for young adults in history. How is she? We've not spoken to her in a couple of years now. I think I email I email her every once in a while, and you know we're still friendly. I'll bring her on too. But remember, we were all sitting there talking, and then Kurt just starts talking about the cocktails they would make. Oh, yes. And and your mother became very, very, very big fan. Very fun. And then I realized. Yes. And then Susan was talking about her cocktails, and it became cocktail hour. <laughs> that was so much I know. Fun. It was Christmas. I think we're going to have to do that for Christmas this year. We'll do another one of those Christmas shows. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. It was, it was, it was one of my favorite shows. You know, plus you sang in Welsh and I know you say we bullied you into that, but the amazing thing was, you know, we always make fun of. I of don't know. That was, that wasn't that one. That was Ansel, Neil and Kurt, I want to say. Yes, it was. But it, it's funny because we always make fun of Welsh because it's such a, 
different sounding language with all the and you know sounds but when you hear that language sung it becomes every bit as beautiful as one of the romance languages it really has a different sound well we're one of the oldest languages in europe one of the oldest written languages for sure i mean um, Middle Welsh is is far nearer modern Welsh than Middle English is to modern English. You know, I'm, I've been meaning to ask you this. Yes. As, as someone who speaks Welsh. I, I yes. Do you read and write it as well? Yeah, I'm fluent. Okay. How many letters are in the Welsh alphabet? It was my first language. Twenty-nine. Twenty-nine. A lot. Yes. So for the longest time, I thought there were only 25 in the English language. I don't know why. Yeah, there are 29 letters in the Welsh alphabet. Is Y one of them? Yeah. Oh, see, that made my joke we less funny, have, didn't we, it? We don't have X or Z, though. What do you replace those with? Nothing. You know, we don't have Z either, America. In America, we have a Z. <gasps> yeah, my dad hated that. He he wanted to go and say World War Z, and he wouldn't say World War Z. He'd say World War Z. I'm like, you know, it's Z as in zombie. It is Z, yeah. We're, although we're the only ones that say Z. Even Canada says Z. Yeah, but then... But it kind of made sense for World War Z because it was the z- as in zombie. Yes. Plus, it was written so, by an American. And he, I, I enjoyed the book. The book was very good, and the you film. Know who wrote good. that? Don't you? Mm, I can't remember. Isn't that Mel Brooks's son? Oh yeah, it is. Speaking of that, Mel Brooks. In the year 1974, Mel Brooks released two films. That are considered two of the greatest comedies ever made. In the same year, that fucking guy made Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. I was going to say it was that. Oh, my dad loved Blazing Saddles. He he, he used to he used to crack him up. He loved it. Well, I just I'm heard so a little cool. rumor that there's a new book coming out all about the magical year of 1974 for Mel Brooks making two of the greatest classic comedies of all time in the same year. And that book is being written by our dear friend and show legend, Mr. Bruce Hollenbeck. So we're going to have to bring him back on the show and do a Mel Brooks episode. Yeah, I love Mel Brooks. And I love Bruce Hollenbeck. What a great guy. Oh, my gosh. I even went to see the remake. And what did you think? What I was in school, I was in the the original is better. The original had me laughing so hard that I couldn't that I was in pain. Of course. I mean the um, it was really. You laughed so hard you were doing this. No, no, I wasn't. Or like this. Uh, no, I, I, no, no, I was just in full pain. I couldn't All stop. Right. I was in pain and I couldn't stop laughing it was hilarious it was amazing but i do remember going to see um 
Team America, was it Team America? And that, uh, uh, and yes. that, that was that was um, largely amusing. I think I lost it when the cats came out. Largely amusing. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, was very. It, but the thing is, is everybody would look at it now and go, "Oh my god, that is so racist." Cancel them. But it was very much of its time. It encapsulated a small pocket of time. Speaking of largely funny. Yes. All right. I got a. I, I got a. Um, here. My new favorite segment of the show where people write in jokes to see if we can make Lauren laugh. This is unfair. Like this section of the show, do you? Also, I'm autistic. I, I I don't know. All right, you ready for the first joke, Lauren, to test to see if you find this funny? I could have been at a Houdini séance, and I'm doing this. What is wrong with me? All right, you ready? This is from Michael in Allentown, Pennsylvania. It says he actually wrote this too. Hey, Lauren. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear about the guy who died from drinking varnish? No. It was a terrible end, but a beautiful finish. <laughs> How's it going, Michael? Lauren, what'd you think? Yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry, Michael. You know what she said? She said you're about as funny as syphilis. I don't know why Lauren says these horribly insulting things to you people after she doesn't laugh at your jokes. I think you're much funnier than syphilis. I d- I did not say that, Brian. Stop saying that I say these things. All right. Well, this is why your mother says you're a liar. Let's try another one. You ready? Yes. All right. This one is from Carl. In. Oh, Carl's a Canadian. I was just in your country this weekend, Carl. How are you? But he's in. He says outside of Montreal. I don't know what that means. That mean well, it means he's in the province of Quebec. But uh, uh, bienvenue, since, you know, they speak French there. You ready for Carl's Carl's joke? Yeah. Parallel lines have so much in common. It's a shame they'll never meet. (laughs) No? No. Sorry, Carl. She says, um... No, I do not say anything. I do not say anything. This man does not speak for me. This is why he once had to. Just remember, people. He once had to read an apology from his mother because he lied about her. I haven't laughed that hard since the last time a hemorrhoid burst. (laughs) Lord, what does that even mean? I don't know. You said it. Uh, I had to edit you saying it, and. uh... We'll try one more. This one is. All right. One more, Lauren. All right. Now, if you don't laugh at this one, there's something wrong with you. This one is from Bridget. Bridget didn't tell me where she's from. So Bridget is all around us. And it actually says, hey, Lauren. Hey, Lauren. Yes. I can't dinosaurs talk. I don't know. Because they're dead. That's not funny. That's sad. I like T-Rexes. I wish T-Rexes were alive. I'd make them eat people that annoyed me. 
Oh, see that? Oh, my God. Lauren just said, well, I can't believe you just said someone should stick one in the pink and two in the stink and roll you out of the room, Bridget. Wow, that was horribly rude. Oh, Brian, stop saying I say these things. This is why you have to read retractions out. And you're going to have to read one out next week. I'm sure of it. Because I remember what you said about your mum in the interview. Can I say, can I try one of my jokes now? No, you already have, and it didn't laugh. How about a pun? Uh, I don't like puns, do you? You know, some puns are easy to make. Some puns are really difficult to make. But I found that a steak pun is a rare medium well done. <sighs> Lord, what? You didn't like that one either, did you? I'm very difficult to make laugh. Well, it's because you've never seen me naked. <laughs> On that note, why why don't we go to our um Today in history. Okay. All right. Well, in honor of my favorite day of the year, Halloween, my day in history. Did you hear Cleo? Cleo's like breathing into the microphone with her little like asthmatic cat voice. Oh, she's so cute. She's so adorable. All right. Now she's getting up on the computer, so she might turn off the microphone any second, but we hope not. Anyway, my Today in History, Lauren, is October 31st, 1962. In my opinion, the most frightening movie ever made was released today. 1962, the classic Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, starring Joan Crawford, Victor Buono, and Betty Davis in the most unforgettable role of her life. I knew two women, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and they were, I think they were friends. I didn't know them that well, but it was very, very much like what happened to baby Jane and they scared me. Oh, I tell you, Lauren, I'm a horror movie freak. I watch horror movies day in and night since I was a kid. Um, you know, I'm a film buff, a film expert, a film historian. We've talked about this. Yet my favorite genre has always been horror. And I think the most terrifying film ever made, and the only film that I've ever seen that scared me when I saw it and still creeps me out to this day is Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. That is, it is a creepy film. It is. It's so brilliant. Betty Davis is so brilliant in that film, though. She is so brilliant. She was so brilliant. Not to say Joan Crawford wasn't, but, oh, my God, Betty Davis just jumps out of that fucking movie at you. I know. So how are you going to top that, Lauren? Well, mine is the 31st of October, 1517, when Martin Luther sends his 95 thesis to Albert of Brandenburg, Archbishop of Mans, precipitating the proper Protestant Reformation. So Martin Luther is the creator of the Protestant Reformation. And he didn't 
he didn't nail it to the door. He he like glued it to the door because yeah. So you think that's better than Betty Davis? And it's, I I I um no, it's not better than Betty Davis because anything with Betty Davis in it cannot be beaten. Um, but I like it. No, that is actually a really cool day. I was thinking about doing a show about Martin Luther at one point. Because, you know, it's it's funny that Martin Luther is one of those figures in history that everybody seems to know the name, but I don't think they realize how, what would you say, Lauren, um, interesting a man he was? Well, he's very interesting. He was a bit of a hypocrite in some. Very much a hypocrite. <laughs> Um, his his theology is quite interesting, and it definitely inspired a lot of people, uh, you know, that went on to become uh, the founding, the the principal founders of the Anglican Church. Um, and but then again, it. It kind of after the ninety after the after the thesis after the ninety five thesis, um, it did inspire Henry VIII to write the um, the defense of the seven sacraments, which was his which was his rebuttal of um, th- of the thesis, and it did lead the Pope to call Henry VIII um, by a golden bull and um, the defender of the faith, which came back and bit the Pope because then he kept the title after he left the Catholic Church. Yeah, Henry so, took that thesis and he had his his butt wiper wipe his ass with it, and then. Well, yeah, the flush, you know, is for dramatic effect because he would not have known a flushing toilet. No, and he wouldn't have wiped his own ass. That's why I had to say that guy would have done it for him. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. But um, I have got a copy. Um, because the great, I have got a copy of the of the Defense of the Seven Sacraments, and when I'm feeling, um. If some, and if if I was writing an essay um, about medieval theology, and um, and I was feeling controversial, I'd try and fit something in. <laughs> well, I, you know, I always say about Martin Luther is that for a guy that's considered one of history's great theologian, the, uh, uh, Jesus, my God, can you believe I just said that word completely wrong? Theologians. <laughs> Theologians, yeah. it sounds like a full bottomist or something. Theologians, I don't believe that he believed what he wrote. Do you? It's very difficult to say because, um, I mean, theology does change as you get older and as your life experience broadens. Um, yeah, but, you you know, with most theologians, especially in history and their writings that survive, you could tell they believed what they were writing. That is their belief. I don't think that's and, the case yeah, with Martin Luther. Um, it, it, yeah, yeah it's, it's the same with the defense of the seven sacraments. Like you read it and you're like, this can't be the person no. that took that, you know, uprooted the church. But then again, you think about some of the things that happened in the uprooted church and you've got the flip flopping and it, you kind of see that this, you know, um, you can kind of see the person that wrote that in what he did. But with Martin Luther, it's just kind of like he, uh, my, I I know people will disagree with this and and maybe it makes me a bad 
Anglican, but sometimes I just think he said it to be controversial. <coughs> wow. Wow, the people did turn on you, Lord. Yeah, but there is something about it. It's kind of like it, it doesn't seem it seems a bit disingenuous at times. No, I can see that. Um, and then, like I said, I, I really don't think Martin Luther believed what he wrote. I think it was um, um, a power grab. Um, well, the thing is, as well, is that he was operating uh, in Germany in the most of German territories at the time. It was controlled by the Holy Roman Emperor. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, he, it might have been rebelling against the fact that you didn't only have to in matters of religion you were over you were overseen by a man that wasn't necessarily ordained in the same way a priest or a pope would have been um, yeah, I can take um, um but then the germans were the germans of the time were a lot luckier than the people of england and wales and um i guess to some extent ireland but I'm not quite sure about the Irish church at the time because it was in so much flux. As compared to now? (laughs) um, Well, I mean, there was a matter of... Very different kind, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like at at the beginning of when, you know, England was trying to subjugate them. We hadn't quite, they hadn't quite got there yet. But with England and certainly Wales... Uh, with both of them, uh, certainly both of them, they, you you weren't allowed to pray or have the Bible read in your own language. Um, Welsh came much later, late in Elizabeth I's reign, and English came at the beginning of the Re- Reformation. Um, and it's very much we have Thomas Cromwell to thank for that and his work on getting an English Bible. And do they have an X and a Z in their Bible? Unlike you Welshies? Um, Well, where where there's X's, there is X's. Where there is Z's, Z's, there is Z's. And in the Welsh, we have Z. It's not a Z, Lauren. It's a Z. A Z. Z. Um, So um, it is very complicated. Um, And Martin Luther is a very complicated gentleman. And there are some things you can greatly admire about his theology. But there yes. are some things you really got to be cautioned with because it doesn't quite add up. No, like I said, I don't believe he believed what he wrote. I just don't. No, Maybe it was I'm... very much it was very much do as I say, not as I do. Very much. Um, and and, and that's where I struggle with him. But his ideas were. Some of his ideas are are things that you can ascribe to. Well, of course, all theologians are like that because, you know, you use things to get the masses. No pun intended, Catholics. (laughs) Speaking of Catholics, did I tell you my very dear friend, Father Joe, who hangs out at my cigar shop, is a listener of the show now. And he loves the show. We have a Catholic priest who is a regular listener. Hello, Father. Um, sorry about all the potty mouths. And sorry that Lauren is so vulgar when it comes to people and their jokes. No, I'm not. But, <laughs> but the Father told me that 
um, the show makes him laugh. And that his exact words were, oh, Brian, your poor co-host. She should be sainted for putting up with you. I I, I, um, I, I don't know if I can as an Anglican be sainted. We yeah, well, don't. he'll let you slide. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be an honorary Catholic. Yeah, you're, you're an honorary well, Catholic. Well, kind of am, because Anglicanism is sort of like an English form of Catholicism. And I've been to really high Anglican churches, and it was it was awesome. But I don't know if I could do it every week. I think you could. Yeah. Speaking. I, of I, need, I, I do have to admit, though, I went to um, I went to a conference with my church, and there were Benedictine nuns, and they were so lovely. I nearly went off with them. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I have none jokes that I'm not going to tell right now, Lauren. Instead, no, please don't. I say we uh, we go on to our to our to our show this week because we have a surprise guest, a very special guest for for our audience. We have, and this Halloween, we have had legends come on, legendary actors and actresses and writers and and uh, paranormal experts and. But we're going to celebrate Halloween itself, the final day of my favorite month, with a brand new voice to the world of horror and all things spooky. And uh, I, I am beyond thrilled to, um, <clears throat> to welcome the author of the brand new Revelations of the Raven Master, a collection of short horror stories. The wonderful, the talented, the incredibly young makes me feel so old. Casey Masterson is coming on. We're going to talk about her brand new book, just released. You can pick it up on Amazon. Lauren, uh, I told you, it's a fantastic read. I, I loved it. And I believe this might be her first international interview, Lauren. How about that? That's amazing. Well, I'm going to fire up the magic interview box. All right, and what do you say, Lauren? Happy Halloween. Flip the switch, and we'll be right back with Casey Masterson. Lauren, 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 I am so excited because it's still October, Halloween month, my favorite time of year. And we've we've had some great Halloween shows this year, haven't we, Lauren? Yes, we have. We've had some great ones. And, oh, not to be outdone, because tonight we are, like, world exclusive. We're, like, bringing a new author to the podcast platform. I am so thrilled to be welcoming Casey Masterson, the author of the new short story compilations. You ready for this, Lauren? This is going to be right up your alley. Revelations of the Raven Master. Uh, and you hear Cleo? Cleo's cheering in the background. She here because I read the book to Cleo. She loves scary stories. But Lauren, the Raven Master, that's like something up your alley. And get this, folks. She's American like I am. She's an American. And yet she's writing about you, you freaky UK people. But that's OK, because, you know, we, 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 we let that slide. 
But welcome to Transatlantic History Ramblings, Casey. Congratulations on the book coming out. Welcome to the world of of, of authorship and welcome to the show. Thank, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I Before we begin, I do have to ask one question. What's a nice girl like you doing in a genre like this? Um. Well, I've sort of been writing horror since I was 13 years old. I don't, uh, I, I started writing, it was more fantasy slash horror, but then I eventually melded into horror itself. And, uh, I, I think the reason I'm drawn to it is horror is, isn't just the scares, it's more emotion, uh, in, in writing. So yes, fear is a big part of it, but you'll, you'll see that the most, uh, influential and gripping horror stories also have other emotional elements to them as well, which is why I love the genre so much. Uh, I am glad you said that because people like you and I, we are always labeled as, Oh, you horror freaks. What's wrong with you? And it's like, you know, horror is so much more than that. Like Lauren, you know, Lauren is quite the, um, I'll say it because she won't. She's too, you know, humble. Lauren is quite the expert on Bram Stoker. I and love Bram Stoker. Yeah, I accidentally won a book once by because I, I, somebody I didn't really read the post, and then they took a picture of this bridge and they go, "What? What? What? What act of heroism did Bram Stoker do at this bridge?" And it was where he dived off the bridge and tried to save a man's life. Um, but the man passed away. The man either fell in or jumped in. And I, and I won a book. <laughs> well, that's not a happy ending, Lauren. The guy died. No. He died on Bram Stoker's dining table. So his wife must have been so annoyed. Wait wait oh, a second. My. Okay, hold the yeah. fuck up, Lauren. Did you just say he died on Bram Stoker's dining table? Well, I don't know. I don't know if... <laughs> Um, they'd managed to get a pulse because Bram Stoker dived in, got the body, tried to revive him, but somehow the body was taken to Bram Stoker's house and laid out on his dining table. Florence must have been so annoyed. Yeah, that's a horror movie in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Casey, um, I, I got to tell the audience how we met, okay? Because this <laughs> is a wonderful story. Casey was posting on a social media platform, not to be named, about Scare Package and the wonderful Jeremy King, who we know, Lauren, we know, we know, he won't leave me alone. He constantly harasses me. No, you constantly harass him. I have never seen so much genuine fear in a grown man's face (laughs) as when he pulled out that snuggle pillow. (laughs) Yeah, I do have. Um, it's not a Jeremy King snuggle pillow, Casey, because that would be creepy. It's a red Chad snuggle pillow. Have totally you bought different. the snuggle pillow? Oh my goodness. Have you bought the snuggle pillow as proof? I can, I can get it in a little bit if you want. I'll get the, the, the red Chad snuggle pillow. But Casey is quite a fan of horror, and we were commenting on the same post, along with the, the legendary Jeremy King. And then found out she was an author and then said, Oh my God, you must come on the show. And she's like, nah, your show sucks. 
And, and I said, why are you so mean to Lauren? I mean, why are you saying those horrible things? She says, you know, I'll do it for charity. But, uh, yeah, and, and that's how we met. So, see, Jeremy King brings the world together. Yes, that's totally accurate. I totally said all of those mean things. <laughs> she did. She said that Brian's okay because, you know, he don't talk no. funny like a ferner. Well, I I want to dive a little bit into to the book to start before we go on to like random topics and just, you know, having a good time. But you and I hinted and I'm sure a lot of the audience, especially our American listeners or maybe, you know, because we're in 63 countries. So I think a lot of those countries do not understand why I made such a big deal about Lauren enjoying the concept of the Raven Master. So, Casey, can you explain what the Raven Master is? Sure. So, uh, in actual real life, there are is such thing, rather, as the Raven Master. And they are yeomans at the Tower of London because there is a there these ravens there and it's said that if the ravens leave the tower of london and the country or the kingdom will fall so they have these people watching out for these ravens who have clipped wings so they can't fly away but in uh, my book it's a slightly more uh crypt keeper-esque take on that (laughs) i would say where uh, the Raven Master is uh, essentially an undead sort of character that takes the Raven into his little crypt underneath the Tower of London and tells them stories to repent for the fact that they are not able to fly away anymore. Oh, they can fly. They <laughs> They can now. They didn't used to be able to. The newer Raven Master trims their feathers rather than clips them because you oh. can see them now. They're, they're not complete. They it used to be they well, their wings were clipped, and I think he came back. I think he came in. Uh, the new one came in about ten years ago, and he started trimming the feathers. So you they do they do fly around a little, but not a, a lot. little. Because, but they're not leaving. No, they couldn't leave. One of them used to pop out of the walls, um, but she used to come back. But then she flew. She was very elderly, and she flew away one day. And, and I think she flew away to find somewhere to die in in in, in solitude. Because one of the Aww. ravens did disappear, <clears throat> and she was quite elderly. So my question is. They used to clip the wings completely. Now they can just say just a little off the side and get a trim, like it's going to a barber. Yeah, they, they trim the feathers because there was a there was uh, I think it was during lockdown, uh, and one uh, two of the ravens flew off and made a nest and had babies. Lauren's telling dirty raven again. stories. Oh, no, the ravens are cool. I've seen them chase somebody for an ice cream, and I've seen oh. them run after a child. That was hilarious. Um, wow. Casey, where did your yeah. fascination with the ravens and the Raven Master come from? So uh, my publishing company is named Po'Boy Publishing. Which I love uh, that name. Yes. 
And I was like, I had a, a title that w wasn't this title for the uh, for the collection that was based on the Twilight Zone, ju just when I was pitching it. But it wasn't that great a title. And I, when I got picked up by Pubway Publishing, they were like, we need to refine this title. I was like, yeah, I know the title's not great. So uh, I was kicking around ideas, uh, and I was I got focused on the Ravens because of Poe. And then I was told by uh, one of my publishers, whose name's Graham, about the Raven Master, and I was like, wait, that's that's awesome. And I kind of leapt from there. But in real life, I'm actually afraid of birds. <laughs> well, because you've seen the birds, you're like Tippy Hedron. You don't want to go near those fuckers. Exactly. I um. I don't think you'd be scared of the ravens. They're re they're really quite sweet if you're not if you're not a child and trying to play with them, or have ice cream in their vicinity because they will chase you for your ice cream. But they'll hop up on some of the barriers and like honk at you and and um. Uh, we've got a mutual friend, Monique, and there was one time one landed on her shoulder. So they're, they're quite, they can be quite sweet. Well, first off, I'd be scared shitless if the raven landed on my shoulder. I'm like, is that like a harbinger or something? No. But... Um, um, I took my friend Katie to the tower. She loves birds. She went into a bin and got a pear call for the raven that was trying to get the pear call out the bin. <laughs> <laughs> Second off, let's be honest. I'd chase you all down for the ice cream, too. All right. I love ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Now, I I was telling someone about the book, a friend of mine who's, a, who's also a horror writer. <laughs> and I, I loved when you said it. It's kind of, um, um, how did you describe it just now? Kind of Cryptkeeper-esque. Uh, crypt, crypt, crypt That's what I told him. I said it's great because the Raven Master is kind of like a mix between Creepy from the old Creep Show comics and the Vault of Terror and the Crypt Keeper, but more compassionate because he's trying to comfort the birds. He's not trying to, like, you know, be a dick. Yeah. I suppose that comes from my love of animals. I love animals a lot. Except for But birds. Uh, I. I yeah, I mean, I do. I want nothing bad to happen to birds. They just happen to scare the crap out of me. Uh, and I, I, I suppose they're needed. They can't all be exactly the same character. You have to make him kind of your own thing. And I suppose that love of animals kind of shifted on to him. Well, I mean, he's in charge of the animals. So mm -hmm. he's he, just because he clips their wings like a sadist. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. There, there are. The of there the, are. Oh, go ahead. The clipping of the wings was seen as a kindness because um, they did experiment with removing the towers from the raven and uh, the yeah the ravens from the tower and it didn't go. It, it things went bad for London, but it wasn't. It was seen as a kindness as well because I think. The majority of the ravens they get are hand-reared anyway, so whether they'd be able to, if they were to fly off, whether they would be able to survive in the wild is another thing. And there are there are a great number of urban foxes in London, so it was just seen as, as a way of keeping them safe. That's interesting. I like the fact that 
these stories are, I mean, they're scary, but there's a charm to them that is lacking in a lot of horror compilations, especially nowadays when people really go for shock value in horror. You don't. You kind of have that old school feel to it. I mean, is that what you were influenced by as far as horror fiction goes? I've been to, I've, uh, I don't know if it, if it's from when I was a kid and just reading all of these comics and, and like all my, all my influences growing up, or if that's my style, because everyone's sort of an amalgamation of what they read and their experiences. But I've always had a little, I, I'm, I'm not sure what to call it, a quirk maybe to my writing. I try to be more tongue in cheek sometimes. And then, uh, at, at the same time, I'm also tr- trying to sca- also trying to scare at the same time. And horror and comedy are sort of cousins, just like horror and romance are cousins, in that they they both play on expectations. So I suppose that's why it comes so easily. You know, I, I don't even think horror and comedy are cousins so much as they're twins, just with different personalities. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they elicit extreme emotion, including laughter, because what do most people do after they have a good scare? They laugh. Yeah. I mean, it's the same adrenaline rush. (coughs) Excuse me. Speaking of horror, I have a cold because I'm in Buffalo, New York, and it's weather is going from hot to cold to hot to cold every day. So. Yeah, and you're in, you're a you're not too far from me actually. You're you're a northeastern girl as well. You're so I'm from it, New Jersey. Yeah, you're ju- you're Jersey, which is you know, Lauren said, "Oh God, she's gonna be like Jersey Shore." I'm actually from the town that that was filmed in. Fun fact. I didn't say Jersey Shore. I've never seen the Jersey Shore. I said, "Oh, her accent will is." I wonder if her accent will be as strong as that Housewives of New Jersey. Oh, Housewives of New Jersey. <laughs> I don't watch Jersey Shore. I don't know where that was filmed. <laughs> I'll tell you, I have to change. See, I loved this book, so I have to change what I keep saying about things. Because I always tell people the only good thing to come out of New Jersey was the band, The Smithereens. But, uh, you know, now I have to say, and and you. So, you made the list with The Smithereens. Oh, thank you. What an honor. <laughs> Smithereens were great, weren't they? I I was told that if I ever wanted to move to America, New Jersey would be the best place to move to. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're both kind of dumbfounded by that. I think I mean, it was because it's more affordable than New York, but it's still within, you could still work in New York. That's true. That's true, but, but the housing market here is pretty high too. Yeah, everywhere now. It's just that's true. Uh, yeah, this was this was a number of years ago though. This is about seven or eight years seven ago. Or eight years ago. Mm. You, you know where I think Lauren would fit in good? Florida. My grandma lives there. Is your grandma Florida man? My grandma might be Florida man. <laughs> She's she's a little bit insane, but I love her to death. So we know where your uh, sense of horror humor comes from. It comes from Grandma. Yeah, maybe. 
Now, do, do, in your family. Even you decided that Jeremy was Florida man. Oh, yeah. Jeremy King is Florida man. Red oh. Florida. Yeah, we'll call him Florida. He's in Florida, so he's Florida man. He and my grandma hang out, apparently. <laughs> yeah, he once claimed on this show that he was at my mom's house because he loves making your mom jokes. Oh. Yeah. And then for weeks afterwards, when I'd call my mother, she'd say, shh, don't wake Jeremy. Uh, just, <laughs> just saying, you know, my mom's got a sense of humor. But yeah. your family. She once made him read that policy on the show because she, he wronged her. Yeah, she did. A 50-year-old man's forced to read an apology that his mother wrote on the air. But I, my question is about your family. We know grandma's nuts. Grandma's a psycho. You already admitted it. You can't take it back. You said it on the air for 63 countries to hear your grandmother's a lunatic. Oh, no. Hi, grandma. It's when you I'm hear this. Mama. Yeah, so do, do you come from a family of, of horror fans? I don't. I'm a horror fanatic who no one else in my family likes horror movies or horror books or horror anything. Yeah, mine mine either, really. My mom, uh, fun fact, she was she went on a date once and they took her to see Saw 2. And she spent the whole date behind his back. She was terrified. My, my dad will watch it with me occasionally, but he's not big on it. Uh, my aunt has asked me, why don't you write things that people enjoy re- reading? And I was like, oh, thank you. But I will say, my pop-up, I was talking to him just randomly one day, and he goes, oh, yeah, I'm watching ho- one of the Halloween movies. And I was like, you are? I didn't know you liked these movies. And he was like, yeah, it's fine. So I guess my pop-up. My, uh, my brother once on a date, I think it was a first date too. The girl picked the movie and they went to see Candyman and he mm-hmm. was terrified and didn't sleep for a week and was traumatized by my younger brother's terrified of horror movies. And it was so bad that I had to introduce him to Tony Todd. So he's no longer afraid of Candyman. Then they became friends. I introduced him because, Hey, Tony, you scared the shit out of my brother for years and now they're friends. So I'd be friends with Tony Todd. I love him so much. Have you, have you ever met him? No, he follows me on Twitter, though, which is surprising. He is, he's an amazing guy, but he is so not like what you would imagine meeting him in person. He's so soft-spoken and so proper and gentlemanly. Because, you know, you think of Platoon or Candyman when you think of Tony Todd. But Mm -hmm. no, he's this very soft-spoken, quiet, proper man. Loves football. So if you meet him, talk football, he'll he'll be your best friend. I do not understand football. Okay, see, there's this ball, and it's kind of, sh- oh, you you understand the concept of the game. Lauren's confused because she thinks that's soccer. <laughs> I I don't care. I don't <laughs> care sports. Unless it's ice hockey, and then that's the best sport because that, that's violent. Uh, yeah, and you know we both got hockey teams. Me and Casey, she's got the New Jersey Devils, which is a great name. We got the Buffalo Sabers. Yes. So see, even our even our team names are violent. Mine's a weapon, and hers is a devil. Yeah, we've got mm-hmm. the Cardiff Devils. We've got the Cardiff Devils, who ice hockey team. You're not Ooh. in Cardiff. You're in Swansea. See, Lauren's lying to you already. Way. 
40 miles away. Yeah, it's not that bad. So, Casey, got to ask. When you started putting this together, did you intend for it to be a compilation of short stories with a wraparound with the Raven Master? Or were you, because you had written short stories for magazines and other publications. Were you just writing a bunch of short stories to get published? Or did you actually have the concept in your head that I'm doing a compilation? I'm going full Vault of Horror on this. Uh, the Vault of Horror thing came later. I, I would have liked something to tie them all together, but I didn't know it was going to be that until I had sort of the Raven Master epiphany. Uh, but I there's sort of a wow, compilation of books I was writing from my sophomore year of college to just about when I got them published in uh, 2020 or when I was told they'd be published in 2022. Okay, when, when when you got the word that they were publishing it, did you get up and dance around and do like the antler dance where you put your fingers on your head oh, and dance around? I got the word I was being published while I was at work. There was a staff in-service day where we had to be there a few hours early and we were all eating lunch together. And then uh, I, I read the email and I started to cry and I ran around the <laughs> library calling everyone I knew. Andy, do you, do you have a, uh, yeah, spoiler alert, folks, she works in a library, too. So <laughs> we're all about the books here, folks. Do you already have a spot on the shelf in the library for your book? It's very hard to get it in my library. I have to go through a whole committee. I do have it in a library, and I also have it in a few, uh, like, indies. I have it in an indie store, and I'm working on getting it in other indie stores. But... Uh, there is a library that does have my book, and I have it in my own personal library as well, obviously. <laughs> you got to get it in your library. You know how they have, like, those employee of the month signs where it's everybody making, like, a cheesy smile? Just a picture of you holding the book. Uh, employee pick of the month, your book. Get everybody to get it. Oh, yeah. The The thing is, I tried to get – so I started writing in the library, and uh, – when I was 13, there was a writing club, and I, I started writing really seriously there when I was, like, 13. And uh, I reached out to them when I got this published. I was like, hey, maybe I could do a writer talk there. And, cause, and it's great PR because I started writing there, and they told me that no one would come. <laughs> so, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. Look, I wrote a book on pro wrestling history. All right? I'm a history guy. I wanted to write a book about uh, the, the, the Irish invasion of Canada. You know, I wanted to write all these great history books. And I, I ended up doing a book on wrestling history with someone. And I've been to like five or six places doing talks and things for pro wrestling. They're going to like, people will show up for you. It's like, uh, what, what was that? Uh, Field of Dreams. You know, you build it, they'll come. People will show up. Mm -hmm. You put an advertisement, you know, in person, the author signed copies, you know, do all that, get there. We had one, we had one in a, a library, not the one I started writing in, but my, my writing mentor that started the writing club when I was 13 was in a different library. So I went to that one and it was mostly my family, but it was really cute. <laughs> I, I had one of those too. Um, it was funny. I went to one book, so this was terrible. Sorry to go off on a tangent, but 
I went to one book signing and people showed up and were disappointed that the wrestlers in the history book weren't there, just the writers of the book. <laughs> and I said, you know, a lot of these people are dead, so they weren't going to be here, but <laughs> that's okay. Whereas in your book, dead people can be there because it's a horror book. At least I'm in it. I'm there. <laughs> that's right. Now, you're an all-around horror fan, too, aren't you? Movies, books, literature. Do you prefer... Do, do, do you have a genre of horror that you like? Because, you know, horror is... You could break it down into so many categories. And then there are those who only like certain categories. And there's, like, me who likes most categories, as long as they're well done. Mm-hmm. Even the real shitty, I... low-budget films, if they're well done, I love it. I I have I really lately have been enjoying uh like found footage documentary style ones. Mm-hmm. I also really enjoy body horror and uh psychological horror, but I'll watch anything really. <laughs> so you're a Cronenberg fan. You like body horror, sicko. <laughs> Lauren <laughs> likes like the real grotesque, gruesome horror, like. Where Americans get slaughtered. That's Lauren's favorite. Anime. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, um, I, I watch them, but I'm not a big fan of them. I mean, nothing, nothing was more hilarious than when I was working in the cinema and the, the people's reaction to, to the entity dancing to tiptoe through the tulips and in insidious. That always makes me laugh <laughs> so much. So I, I've seen people's reactions to horror from working there. But I think um, no, it's, it's more of the um, gothic horror, horrory ones that leave you thinking about it, and then they sort of invade your mind, and you can't like the quiet ones. Have you ever seen the quiet ones? Yes. What's the What's the plot? I'm trying uh, to it, remember if I did see that one. Uh, it's a I think it's either Oxford or Cambridge University, and it's based on the Philip experiment. And they've got this girl who they say is possessed or is suffering from great mental anguish. And they're taking her away to prove that the mental anguish can be separated. And um, they do they do sort of scans and pictures of her. And then the entity then sort of makes itself known. But it's really slow burning. It was one of the new Hammer horror films and it starred Jared Harris. We haven't seen that, but that sounds awesome. Yeah, it came out what, early two thousands, right? No, no, um, oh no, it came out um, I think two thousand and sixteen, two thousand and seventeen. Oh, I was thinking about the one that came out way before that. And there, it's based on the Philip experiment, which was a Canadian experiment. Yeah, in Toronto, not too far from me. And it was to see if they, if scientists could create um, activity so they got a group of people together took them to a house and said Philip used to live here and all this stuff happened to him and then they sat them down in front of the Ouija board and like um, connect with Philip and they did and then there were three outcomes to the experiment either they had all created the energy because they couldn't prove that they had um, actively faked it it could be subconsciously they were wanting to impress so they did it subconsciously 
It was a ghost that was pretending to be Philip. Or Philip was real. <laughs> or as we call it, Dick Ghost. Yeah. Yeah, because that that one was that was used to um, make me that was used to amuse me when you'd get almost haunted. You'd have a ghost saying they were Mary Queen of Scots, and I was like, "Yeah, I'd be that ghost, wouldn't be?" But I'm like, "Yeah, I'm Mary Queen of Scots. Why not?" <laughs> for a night. See, now I have to ask about your favorite genre of horror because as I'm reading your book, which oh, folks, you got to pick this up. Revelations of the Raven Master. You can get it on Amazon. Can you get it on Amazon UK? Yes. Yes. Amazon.com. Canada too. Yep. Amazon CA, Amazon UK, Amazon.com. Pick it up. Fantastic read. A lot of fun. But as I'm reading it, I'm like, okay, if they were to make this into a, uh, anthology horror film, which stories would you pick, depending on the genre? Oh my God, I have to look at the. I have to look at them. Let's see. I don't know if the picture is in, but here's the book. Uh, oh, no, it's audio only, but I will post a link to it and everything. So. Okay. Uh, all right. Let me look at them. I mean, obviously, you got to show the Raven Master as the well, Raven yeah, narrative. Well, yeah, because he's the wraparound, yeah, so he'll be throughout it. Uh, I think that I really like the Hayfield Wilder, uh, Cannibal's Guide to a Cheap Meal. That's the first one I picked. I love that story. Love that story. That's one of the first ones that were written in this uh anthology that was one of the the first ones that was from when i was god how old was i sophomore year 19 20 really mm-hmm. wow i'm the only two tw- i'm turning 25 tomorrow actually so she's a baby lauren uh everybody's a baby compared so, to you brian <laughs> thank oh. you lauren lauren just called me old i think uh Oh, which one was I saying now? Oh my goodness. The um the wedge is really cute. I would put that one in. Uh and then that was that was was that three or four? Because usually they have like five. Usually between four and five. And then I guess I'll do one more. Uh how I really like um decation. That one's that one be would be gross. That, I was going to say, that one would be the, the, the budget killer, because that would be a lot of special effects budget for that one. Mm-hmm. It would. It would be a lot of special effects. I feel like the other ones are easily doable, and then that one is... <laughs> I think we need one that isn't but a budget killer. We could do... Uh, how about if we want to get some real sad stuff in, we could do Dog Days, which is one of my favorites, but not... <laughs> no, 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 too sad. It is way too sad. Yes. I I wrote that story. This is going to sound terrible. My aunt's dog just died, and I was like, I'm going to try to comfort her. I'm going to try to show... They're like, it's good to move on. And then I read it and I said, wow, I would be a monster if I gave this to her. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't. 
that was a okay. Don't give everything away because we want people to read this, but kind of give the overview of that story to the audience that you thought would be a comfort. Yes. So um, the the overview is that there's a, a woman who has to put her dog down and she's obviously very distraught over it. And she decides he's, he's buried in her backyard and she decides to bring him into the house for one more night. But that one more night goes on and on and on. And she, yeah, that's the story. Yeah, yeah, that's um comforting. So sweet. Whoops. You see, us horror people, Lauren, we're weirdos. <laughs> Lauren's in shock. No, I'm not in shock. Not at all. I um now the next question. Who do you want to play the Raven Master if they make it no movie? Tobin Bell. I love that man. I think he could do it. <clears throat> Who do you want to play the Raven Master if you were to make the movie? Oh, Tobin Bell. <clears throat> um who who do you think would be a good Look, Raven Casey. Master? Casey, he wants you to say him. He wants you to say him. Wow. Oh! Oh, you could you could definitely do it. I can see oh, it. Oh, that's so sweet of you. It's a trap, Casey. <laughs> Sorry. No. I um No, I think Tobin Bell's actually a really good choice. You. I love that... him. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't stop coughing. I'm just... Folks, if you live in the Buffalo area, it's 70 degrees one day, 40 the next, 30 the next, 70 the next. It sucks. But this is volume one of it is. Revelation. So are, is is there a volume two in the works? Is it completed? Is it waiting for publication? Or is it just something you said, I'm going to throw number one on there. So if I ever want to do another one, I could say, aha, part two. It is technically in the works. My publisher asked if I'd have it for Halloween 2024, and I laughed at him. But uh, there, there will be a part two. Why did you laugh at him? Because I'm in grad school. I need to finish that first. No, you can. Oh, I feel for you. I did. I did my master's during the COVID pandemic, and it was one of the best things I ever did. But. Those essays, even though they're even the short ones, they're so complicated to write. Oh, yes. Well, you know, there are, you know, weekends and nights and there's this wonderful invention called coffee that can keep you up and, you know, working. Stop stop that. Stop it. I want part two, damn it, Lauren. Don't you understand? This isn't about her. It's about me. I'm being selfish. Books are never late, nor are they early. They, like Gandalf, they appear and they get released when they mean to. So stop it. Um, I love it. That's my favorite book. I love that. (laughs) Lord of the Rings is your favorite book? That, um, oh, sorry. My favorite book is The Hobbit. But... My favorite, I have favorite horror books, but Hobbit is probably my all-time favorite. I was going to say, it's not particularly <laughs> scary. 
You no, it's not. I love it. It is. It has it's dragon so in it. it. Has dragon in it. That is scary. The dragon's on your flag, Lauren. I know, but that's a cool. That's not smoke. That's not smoke. I mean, leave that dragon alone. He's a nice dragon. I educated you on this a few episodes ago. I know. That's why I said. You said it is scary. It's got a dragon in it, and I'm like, your flag's got a dragon, and he's a friendly dragon. He is a friendly dragon. The smoke isn't a friendly dragon. Which, by the way. At my cigar shop, I told everybody the story about the Welsh flag and its dragon. How about that? You're dining out on my knowledge. This is so rude. Well, I told them it. You told me. It's not like I took credit for it. Like, I'm not Cliff Clavin going, hey, guys, let me tell you something. No, I said, so I just learned about the Welsh flag. And everyone in the cigar shop said, wow, really fascinating, Brian. Do tell. Exactly like that. And I said, well. Dear Lauren told me the story of the dragon, and I told them the whole thing, and they loved it. <clears throat> you both see, I could see you, Casey, and you're like, uh huh, you're full of shit. He, 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 yeah. Casey's my new best friend, though. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> I think, I think, I really think <sighs> that the next time we do a paranormal episode, Casey needs to come back on for that. Yes. Are you a fan of the paranormal? Um, I do not believe in the paranormal, me neither. but I would be open to it. Oh, no, that's skeptic. good, because because poor Brian is normally is surrounded by people that believe, who have investigated, and and who are, who are open to the possibility, and he's there, the only skeptic. And, yes, and it, we might it take is, it's person. hard sometimes. Because yeah, we'd all be there like, will... no, Brian, you see one. And he's like, I'm not going to say people are like, people are entitled to have their beliefs and whatever they believe in. And it's fine. I, my, my philosophy in life is so long as you don't hurt anyone with what you believe or force it on anyone else. Uh, I... That's my philosophy in life. Go, go nuts. But I, I just personally don't. I feel the same way about figgy pudding and haggis. I don't eat haggis. I'm Welsh. I know, but you do eat figgy pudding. Yes, I do. I do eat Christmas pudding, yes. Don't force that on people. It's gross. I don't force it on anybody. (laughs) Why would I force something I like on anybody? I want to eat it. That's true. But no, it'd be fun if you came out for one of the paranormal shows. We get some great paranormal guests on, like legends in the field, and you can come on and have a good time. They're fun. But I gotta cool. go back to I gotta go back to your book now. Sorry, that was me interjecting and saying I really think you should come back with that <sighs> ring that you came with. And plus, you get some more material for your book. To be fair. Yeah. See, I told you, Lauren. I told Lauren <laughs> that. Lauren, you were going to love this girl. You are going to become BFFs. You are going to be, you're going to hit it off. She's writing about the Tower of London. That's like right in your wheelhouse, Lauren. You're both female authors. You're both young. You're both adorable as hell. You know, unlike this big, ugly guy over here. And, uh, and, uh, the two of you will be talking about that schmuck Brian when I'm not around. No, I don't talk about you like that, Brian. 
I'm just thinking she'd get, I think she would really find a lot of useful, I think she potentially could create characters from some of our guests. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Neil, I I mean. (laughs) I have a story that's forthcoming in, uh, it's called The Winter of the Raven in our sister publishing house, Poe Girl Publishing. And uh, it is a Twitch stream uh, horror story with that's uh, that's using both tarot and like mediumship. Ooh, mediumship! We should bring you on a show with John Cox, the world's leading expert on Houdini in mediums, and he's been on a few times. I love Harry yeah, Houdini. Okay, that's it. You're he, coming uh, on the next time John Cox is on. He uh, when also, I, during COVID, he was very generous. He shared the link to, they did the Harry Houdini seance. And, and they did it over Zoom. And I got to go. And it was amazing. I don't think they do them over Zoom anymore now. Because everybody's back meeting in person. But it's just, but, everybody from all over the world was just there. And, I, um... We've got some activity. Ooh. I, I do got to warn you, though, Casey. If he tries giving you an orange, Lauren's going to get jealous and beat you up. She won't be your best friend anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you bring that up. I don't know what that means, but... Uh, all right, I'll take... Okay. John told, John uh, told us a story so that... It's allegedly uh, true. We don't allegedly know true because that, that is to make up they used to make up stories about their origin, whether to confuse people or to impress them or to shock them. We have no idea where this came from, but it is it has been recounted that Bess actually did say this story. Go ahead, when, Brian. When when asked one time about how she met and fell in love and married Harry Houdini, you know, she was talking, you know, everybody was poor back then. They had no money. They were just vaudeville performers. And her quote was, I traded my virginity for an orange. Oh, boy. Good for her. (laughs) So now John comes on and brings Lauren oranges. And Lauren gets very flustered and blushes. One one time. He did it once. So if you you try to get an orange, you're not going to have a best friend anymore. She's going to, like, claw your eyes out. Oh, boy. That's fine. it was one time, Casey. He did it as a joke one time, and he—he's such a gentleman. He—he he doesn't mean it. Like that. It was funny. Yeah, John is the ultimate gentleman. He's a, uh, and he is the world's leading expert on uh, Houdini. He runs the Wild About uh, Houdini website, the, the blog. Um, he's just amazing guy, and he comes on fairly frequently. <laughs> Next time we'll bring you on. You'll love John. Cool. When I was, um, he's. He, He's posthumous diarist because you give him a day, he'll know where Houdini is. Yeah. I am. Um, when I was really little, I I, I think I was, it was kindergarten, first grade. I had a hermit crab, and it didn't have a name, but it escaped from its cage somehow. And my mom was like, "Oh, look, it's it's Harry Houdini, the hermit crab." And I was like, "What is that?" So I had a notebook like one of the spiral notebooks and I would I would sat in front of a huge computer and I would just plagiarize this website by writing it all down into my notebook 
And then when I got to school or wherever I was going, I would sit sit down and read my notebook about Harry Houdini. And I, I, at what grade are you in first grade? How old are you in first grade? Like seven. Seven. Yeah, I would be going around at seven saying, "Hey, did you know that Harry Houdini was a uh, was a magician? And this is what he did." And and, and it was probably John's website you were you were uh, plagiarizing. Probably. I'll have to apologize to him. I'd also like to point out how adorable that story was till I realized that I was 30 at the time that you were doing that. Oops. Yeah, see? Can you tell I'm, like, this feeling old thing is a new revelation for me? I just don't like it. I, I, I Don't worry, I feel old, too. I'm going to be a quarter of a century tomorrow. I'm going to be half a century. Oh, boy. Yeah, but I'm still adorable. So. Yeah. Yeah, see, she's like, yeah, sure, Lauren, just no comment. No, because I know you're just trying to get us to, to flatter you. No, I am going to flatter Casey some more because, like I said, I got this book when we were talking that night, and I'm like, okay, what's the name of the book? I want to talk about this. She offered to send me a copy, and I said, no, 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 no. I believe in supporting, especially first-time writers. I definitely believe in supporting them. So I went out, and I got the Kindle, and I ordered the uh, physical copy, too. So I actually got two copies of it. Thank you. I got the Kindle version, and I use Kindle on my phone now, which is, you know, pretty impressive. Oh, did you see my screensaver is Jeremy King? Oh, he must love coming on here. That's 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 fun. Oh, <laughs> oh he's, that's the picture on the snuggle pillow like, too. If you'd have seen his face when Brian brought out that pillow, Jeremy, up until the point he was confronted by the pillow, thought it was a joke. <laughs> oh no. Yes, I think Mrs. King was going to make some worried phone calls to to. Uh, I was going to say, because since that snuggle pillow, Jeremy hasn't stopped stalking me. You know, he doesn't leave me alone, Lauren. And I tell him all the time, Jeremy, you're married. You have kids. You have a family. You have a lovely family and a lovely wife. And you know, you got to You got to You, you got to leave me alone, man. Just won't do it. Oh boy. <laughs> you know, this all started because of Sarah, my my girlfriend first time jeremy was on the show she's in the back and yelling brian fucking loves red chad brian's got a man crush on red chad yeah yeah she did so i blame sarah but i'm going back to your book now because i'm rambling because the show's called ramblings so i get the on kindle and i use kindle on my phone now because my actual kindle device died and when I do anything on my phone, I have to take my glasses off because I'm an old man. You know, it's small. So I don't read much on the phone. Like if I download a Kindle book, you know, I might read a chapter, maybe two chapters before. Because it's on my phone, I turn it off, I get annoyed. I read your fucking book in one sitting. Oh, wow. One sitting. Oh, wow. Well, that's not true. I lied. One sitting and one lying down. Because I started it, got halfway through it, I said, I got to go to bed. Then I got into bed, turned it back on, and laid in bed and read the rest of it. Wow. Oh, my God. That's so great. 
So that is the kind of book this is, folks. You gotta get it. It is, it, like you said, it's tongue in cheek. It's very sad at times. It's pretty disgusting at times. I mean, everything in horror that we love about horror is there. In the charm and, and personality. I, mean, I think for your second book, you might even want to look up some of the ghost stories that are associated with the Tower of London as well, because they have their own ghost stories. And also, in the tower, there is two churches. There is the Plantagenet one in the main block, and then independently of that, there is another church called St. Peter Ad Vincula, which is St. Peter in Chains. And when people were executed in the tower, they they had nowhere to be buried. Their families wouldn't claim them because of the shame of being executed as a traitor. And in England, I, I'm not quite sure if it's the same in America, but from the examples that I've seen, it is quite similar. If you were executed in a prison, you were normally buried in the prison. So in St. Peter Ad Vincula, when the Victorians came in to restore the church there was a notion that they knew that people had been buried in the church they found bodies in the walls in the floors of executed people and two of those executed people were queens so um they they didn't find one body and this legend grew that because he was so outraged at catherine howard having affairs henry the eighth pulled climb in her grave that wouldn't have happened once he once she was executed that was it he, he sort of he was so angry he wanted to kill her himself he called for his sword when he first heard the accusations and they were proved to be true so he was done by the point she was executed he would not have even contemplated that he you know he was ruthless enough to do something like that but he wouldn't have, he, it was just so far out of his mind to do that but the problem is, is that she was under 25. And when you're not, and, and I think I, I keep repeating this because I don't want people to keep going on about the quick climb, is that your bones aren't as calcified as they would be after you turn 25. So what happens is that the, the bones just dissolve. So her body isn't there anymore, but Anne's would be. So at one you point, know what that means? The two were buried under the floor together. And they were cousins as well, so actually quite direct cousins. Anne Boleyn's mother and Catherine Howard's father were brother and sister. I just think the whole the moral of that story is uh, you've got one more day, Casey, before your uh, bones, uh, you know, because tomorrow is your birthday. Uh, yeah. I just thought it's it's such a sad story. That, you I'll, know, I'll that definitely were... have to look into it. I didn't know about that. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, and if you look at Hampton Court as well, there is a ghost story there to do with Catherine Howard and Hampton Court, and it is actually we don't know where the information about this came from. It's not chronicled or anything, but it's just information that's always been out there about her escaping the guards and running down the corridor, and there is one day where she was arrested one day where it could have happened 
where it was possible that the events would have aligned for her to be able to do that, to try and get to Henry VIII and say, please don't kill me one day. So I think what we got to do is, you know, once you're done with grad school, you got to get some money together. You got to go over to London. Lauren's got to meet you there. You guys got to tour the tower together and you got to read stories to the Ravens. That would be so cute. I would read stories to the Ravens. I just have no money. (laughs) Lauren, would you read stories to the Ravens from her book? Yeah. Next time I go, I take a copy and give it to the Raven Master and say. (gasps) Oh, how about that? That's crazy. Oh, my God. He's on a YouTube channel. And there was a documentary. And then one of the documentaries, he's going around the, the tower shouting for them to come back in because obviously they've gone off or they've wandered off. And now because their, their feathers are uh, trimmed, they can wander off a bit more around the tower. But they don't they can't they're they can't fly away. They, they they're only able to stay in the area but it's it, it's just a changing culture and a, and a change to think it's more more humane but you know definitely prior to the 2000s their wings were clipped i just think it's cool that you're going to get a copy of the book to the raven master me yeah, too why not? and you got to tell them you got you got to read this to the ravens now yeah so is part, is part two also going to be the Raven Master? Yes, he's going to be in it. I'll have to figure out how the forward is going to work. That part hasn't been written yet. But um, I he w- he's definitely going to be in it, and so are the Ravens. And then my, pu- my publisher said it might be a cool idea to give him an actual story, but we'll see how that goes. I, I I was that was actually going to be my suggestion. In a part two, one of the stories he could tell could be about himself, which is not revealed that it's him until the very end of the story. Mm. I would just like to add that all the yeomans that work in the tower now are soldiers. They have uh-huh. been in service in the British Army. And that is the only way that you get to be a yeoman warder is if you have served in the British Army. So that might give you some fuel for the story that he was a soldier in a distant land. Good to know. Now, we um, have a tradition on this show where we do, for the first time guests, we have a rapid fire round. Where oh my, I, okay. I spit out random questions that may or may not have anything to do with the topics of the day. You just answer them. First thing that comes into your head, there are no wrong answers unless you get one wrong, and then I tell you you're wrong. Okay. But before we play that game, I want to give you an opportunity to ask Lauren any question you want about the Tower or about the Ravenmaster, about the legends, the lore, because... Putting the two of you together is kind of like that's that's like my idea of like this is awesome a collaboration of the minds. Oh my! I wish I would have prepared these in advance. Um, 
Okay, let me think. They mean Brian. You, you. Uh, where did the legend actually start with the Ravens? I don't think anybody's ever sure. I think it's just because they were always there and they became such a comforting presence in the tower. I mean, animals had always been had been since the earliest days um, in the tower. There used to be an elephant, polar bear, leopards, lions. There were even legends around the lions because during Elizabeth I's reign, there was an elderly lioness there called Elizabeth. <laughs> the lions used to have the I think they I think it was quite traditional for the um lines to have the name of the monarch. And she passed away not long before Elizabeth first passed away. So they were there was a lot of superstition surrounding the animals as well. And there used to be a polar bear as well, and it used to be on a long chain and go swimming in the Thames to get his food. All right, wait a second. You're telling me there was a fucking polar bear in the Tower of London? On a chain yeah. that went swimming in the Thames. Yes. You're making that shit up, Lauren. No, I'm not. No. That sounds like a Benny Hill sketch. It, it's not. It's actually, it actually happened. And what they found out is the <laughs> elephant enclosure is um, because um, used to, that London used to have quite a large Jewish population back in the medieval period. And the tower used to be the place where they used to go to register things. And the constable of the tower used to look after them in London because they'd stay in the East End of London. Um, and if there was any problems or somebody or there'd be mass violence against the Jews, they would go into the tower for protection. Before it was an elephant's enclosure, that's where they used to go and hide. OK. Elephants but and polar bears. You could, yeah. I love this. It was it was home to the king's uh, the monarch's menagerie, <laughs> and he kept it abroad. Like some animals were more successful than others, but they used to come as gifts. Yeah, I can't picture polar bears doing too well in downtown London. Um, well, it was on a big chain, so it was. Uh, oh, that makes it okay. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> but it was um, <clears throat> it, the the um, the legend did get put to the test with Charles II. He um, he got rid of the um, I, he got rid of the ravens, and then things started going badly for him. So he seems to be the first person that insisted that the ravens stayed there. Um. Mm. Because he seemed to have had a warning that if they left, then the tower itself would fall. Um, but there doesn't. But there, there was always like myths and legends around and omens around birds. So I think it's just a natural progression from folklore. And I mean, they're beautiful birds, I and mean, you don't often see them in the wild. You hear them in the wild sometimes, and sometimes crows will sound like ravens. Because I was. It, in somewhere um in uh just outside of derbyshire and it was as it was a, a big conference center in the in the country and you could hear what i thought was ravens honking and then they got closer and it was crows and that was just bizarre because crows don't make that noise so they must be making it to confuse predators that are around 
or they're just imitating the Ravens because they're like good mimics and they're like, you know, that was like the, the comedian of the crows. He was like, Hey, for my next impression, here's a Raven. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I Lawrence really like, nah. thought, I'm going to check one of my two Ravens. And it wasn't. And I also want to make sure that the two of you exchange email addresses and stuff so you can stay in touch because you two, the tower stories will hit it off so well. It's going to be awesome. But are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. You ready for a rapid fire round? All right. No, you're not, Casey. Oh, don't don't be mean to her, Brian. Don't be mean. I'm never mean to her. I'm never mean to anybody in rapid fire round, Lauren. Unless they get questions wrong, then I have to tell them they're wrong. Question number one. Pluto, is it a planet or not? No. Eh, wrong <laughs> answer. Oh. <laughs> Lauren agrees with you, which means you're both wrong. Question number two. Favorite horror movie of all time? Oh. Uh... The the thing, the original one. The the original one, or the John Carpenter one. John Carpenter, not the not the original original. Okay, yeah, the, okay, the well, because you're into body horror, of course, the thing is on your list. Okay, question number three. Favorite genre other than horror? Mystery. All right, all right. They're gonna ask favorite mystery. Anything Sherlock Holmes, really. That was my big thing when I was growing up. All right. Question number four. Who wins in a fight? Sherlock Holmes or Houdini? Are we talking uh, Sherlock Holmes as in uh, the original or Sherlock Holmes in any of the adaptations like where they, they had Robert Downey Jr. boxing? Well, I just mean because, you know, Conan Doyle and, and Houdini had such a checkered past and, you know, they the sure big did. fallout and everything. So I'm like, Conan Doyle would have got his ass kicked by Houdini, but would his great creation have been able to fight Houdini? Yes. Sorry, I'm saying yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. I, th- I think Sherlock was a boxer. He was. He said- and a cocaine addict, so. He did. Yeah. Because but so is Harry Houdini. <laughs> well, if he can if he can survive the Reichenbach falls, then he can survive anything. <laughs> All right, Lord's taking this a little too seriously. I'm going to tell John Cox. Of course, it is serious. Of course, it is serious. It is very important that we get these things right, even though that they're theoretical questions and they have no bearing in real life. They're still very important questions, Brian. The correct answer is Houdini kicks his sorry ass. Right. I'll take it. And then then, um, Moriarty comes in with a flamethrower and um, burns Houdini because he killed Sherlock Holmes before he had a chance to. No, it turns out uh, Moriarty paid Houdini to do it. No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think Houdini would be allowed. Would was that corrupt? Then Jules Verne shows up and bitch slaps Conan Doyle. I don't know why. It just happens. Yeah. But a great Did you know? Fight. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know, you see. I think I think Arthur Conan Doyle was pretty hard because he was on a whaling ship and one lamb like that would have been tough. And also he was one of the first pe- people to do a ripper tour. That's true. <clears throat> so, My cat is up here again, just photobombing, as you can see. All right, next question. To... Once you get out of grad school, do you say, fuck this education, or do you go on to get your doctorate? This education. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Why? Reference to doctors, I'm just so done. (laughs) All right, next question. If you were traveling in space, okay, Mm -hmm. do you want to go to another galaxy, another planet, or just like orbit the Earth? If it was possible to go to Star Wars, I'd go there. But well, if we're talking realistically, I'd I'd probably orbit because going someplace takes a bit too long, and uh, orbiting you could come down, and you're close enough. If I needed to come down, I could. That's a good answer, and you you made the Star Wars reference, so we're gonna have to go back to that in a minute. But next question: circus peanuts. You know those orange kind of marshmallowy candies good or bad i've had those (laughs) oh they're my favorite everyone else in the world thinks they're gross but i love them all right next question around easter time you know peeps those marshmallow peeps have you Mm. ever put a peep in the microwave no i'm sure my sisters have i have not if you put a peep in the microwave for just a couple seconds it becomes like the stay puff marshmallow man they get giant Next question. Do you want to continue exclusively in the horror genre or do you want to branch off into other forms of literature? I don't see why other genres can't be friends. So why not? What's what's the commercial with the little girl and the taco? Why not both? That's good. All right. Tacos or burritos? Oh, boy. Tacos, I think. Really? You know, Lauren thinks Taco Bell is tacos. I know. That's all I have. That's all I have, really. But they are quite nice if if you've been working late and and need something. Well, quick. McDonald's is full of teenagers that might punch you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Taco Bell's okay, but, you know, it's not tacos to me. It's true. It's not Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons is superior. Yes, Tim Hortons is the best. I love Tim Hortons. Oh, my God. You know, Tim Horton was an actual man who was a hockey player who played for the Buffalo Sabres when he died. Oh, I didn't know that. I just want to point that out. I uh, I always point it out to Lauren when she talks about Tim Hortons being in Swansea, and I'm like, yes, he played for the Sabres. He was a real man. And then I sent her the statue really? of Tim Horton in Buffalo. And... What I was else? Working on it today. 
and my work computer broke and I needed a break. So I went out and bought coffee from Tom, Tim Hortons while they were fixing my computer. Tim Hortons is wonderful. It is. Yeah, there you yes. go. Oh, I don't know if we can see it. There's me in front of the Tim Horton banner in the Sabres arena. Yes, I see that. Yeah. But last question. This is the toughest one of them all. I mean, this is tough. All right. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Will you promise to come back on the show? Yeah. You already invited me back. <laughs> Well, yeah, but you didn't agree to it. You just kind of like went, uh-huh, yeah. So it, it's, sure, I'll come back. All right, now, before we wrap up, I always promise people we're going to go an hour, and look at that, we've already got an hour and ten minutes, because I'm a jerk, and I have no concept of time. Tell us. He's a liar. His mother called him a liar. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I have a concept of time, but I just don't abide by it. Tell us about the book, who the publisher is, where to get it, um, how to search it, anything else you want to promote. Pitch away. It's your time to to pitch the book. Oh, okay. Hello. Uh, I'm going to hold up a copy of it, even though you can't see it. My book is Revelations of the Raven Master, and it is by me, Casey Masterson, published by Pubway Publishing. And uh, it is on Amazon. Uh, I think you could also get it anywhere you can buy books because it's through Ingram Spark and it is a lot of fun. And I would love you if you read it. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. It is fantastic. Like I said, it's a one sitting read for me, which never happens anymore. And I mean, we have a mutual love of the horror genre and it's obvious you have a passion and a flair for it. And you have an approach to it that is so I'm trying to trying to think of the best way to say this. Uh, it's just so peachy, ducky, wonderful. Instead of like people that just go for shock and gore and my idea of horror is to make you sick. You bring the love and the humor and everything about the genre that makes lifelong horror fans comes through in your voice in your book. And I cannot thank you enough for writing it. And I cannot wait for the next one i'm i'm happy to i'm happy that you enjoy it i really am there will be a there will be a novel i am contracted for a novel but don't i have no idea what it's about <laughs> don't well, ask you, can't, me. You, you can't even say what it's about yet because you know once you sign when you sign up for that there's that you know and you know do not disclose <laughs> sorry for the coughing like i said damn buffalo weather Lauren, before we go, do you have any questions, anything you want to say? Uh, I just wish you all the best with it. And you've picked a fascinating subject. I mean, the tower is a building in itself that has thousands of years worth of ghost stories. Thank you. I mean, even close by to the tower, there is a church that Samuel Pepys used to go to and it has little skulls on it. So that area, entire area of London could fuel your writing career, your entire writing career. And when money is available, you got to go to London and hang out with Lauren. Lauren will come to London from Swansea. You'll go to London from Jersey. You'll hook up. You'll be like, you know, two BFFs. There'll be like background music and everything for you too. 
it'll be wonderful. And you can go to the tower and get chased down by the Ravens for your ice cream. Oh, wonderful. I'm sure I'll love getting chased by birds. All right. Well, on that it note, it Lauren, was, they what, what was that, it Lauren? It wasn't. They were honking at the person and walking towards them, and the person took it as being chased and threw the ice cream at them. The raven would have oh. left them alone if they king. Did the ravens eat the ice cream? <laughs> yeah. It's smart ravens. Mm-hmm. All right. And they, the only time I actually saw a raven chase something was a child had been, you're told not to touch the ravens because they're, you know, they're animals and but the child had been poking the raven and it had had enough and it tried honking and then it it ran after them with their you know look made itself look big and scary and was running after the child it didn't hurt the child but it it was had it had enough yeah i was once at a like petting zoo type thing and they kept telling kids not to like poke at the animals but kids are assholes and this kid kept poking a llama until the llama went and spit that big glob of llama spit right in the kid's face. It was wonderful. That make me a bad person for thinking that was wonderful. No. Nah. <laughs> Happy bit. memory. A little bit. <laughs> Lauren, what do you... <coughs> Whoa, one more cough. What do you say we call it a show? I think that time has come. All right. Well, Casey Masterson, author of Revelations of the Raven Master. Check it out. Get the book. Read it. You will love it. You'll agree with me. They should make it into an anthology movie. And uh, we will talk to you soon. But from Brian and Buffalo and joining me as always. Lauren from Swansea. Good night. Good night. No, I do not say anything. I do not say anything. This man does not speak for me.